You're listening to Filling the Storehouse Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Stuart. And we want to walk with you on the journey to living the abundant life through faith, family, and freedom. Our goal is to refine our why while helping you find yours. Together, achieve our best and highest purpose. In the end, we'll drive each other to intentionally fill our storehouse. Hey, hey, this is Stu. And hey, did you know that as of 2016, there are more than 40.6 million people in modern day slavery, and that the business of human trafficking creates over 150 billion in profit every year. Yes, that's billion with a B. Human trafficking is a global crime that is woven into our lives more than we realize. Trafficking happens every day all over the world, and it affects individuals of every age, ethnicity, and socioeconomic background. Well, our friends at Exodus Road say that we believe that justice is in the hands of the ordinary people just like you. And everyone has a role to play in bringing freedom to traffic sons and daughters around the world. And so do we at Storehouse 310 Ventures. This has become a passion of ours to support Exodus Road and fight this hideous crime. So we've created the Storehouse Giving Fund. It's a donor advised fund. And uh, we hope that us ordinary people can all come together and fight this ridiculous, hideous crime. So join us in the fight against human trafficking. I've put a link in the show notes of this podcast episode to our giving fund. And we would greatly appreciate it if you helped us and just donated a little bit. Seriously, everything, even the smallest amounts count. So go enjoy this episode and go to that link in our show notes and support us and support Exodus Road. Go fill your storehouse. See you. Hi, mates. How's it going? Hello. <laughs> Throw another shrimp on the barbie. Hey, Joe. How you How doing? You going? How you going? I'm going really good, guys. Thanks for asking. Where are you from? <laughs> Tyler, Texas. Texas, like a Texas Australian, like, where y'all from? Like, it doesn't even, it's terrible. Uh, Joe, give us your best Texas accent. Well, I think it depends really on where you're from in Texas, doesn't it? I mean, if you're from the city, you just say, man, I'm going to Burger King. But if you are from out in the country, you'd be like, y'all get in the back of the pickup truck, gonna drive in town, get us some guns and some burgers. (laughs) <laughs> that's, good, man. that's good now yeah. give us that same sentence in your best australian canadian texan accent <laughs> you just made my normal accent oh yeah man, man let's go get some tacos because i'm hungry <laughs> really good really good what does the californian sound like to you oh they're like um um, like it is so gnarly out there in the water it's like so crazy that is exactly how I talk. <laughs> I thought it was you exactly, man. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> this is fun. Is, man. We should just do an hour of accents. <laughs> yeah. Well, for, for all of our listeners, uh, we're having uh, Joel, my brother-in-law, uh, back on uh, the podcast. And, and he and my sister came on um, somewhat early on. And what was that, like a year and a half ago or so? Yeah. Um, and they had, uh, they had been staying with us for a little bit and, um, 
been uh, trying to figure out where the direction of, of uh, their life is headed. And they're still in the United States. Uh, from uh, So for an update, they're still back in the U.S. and um, still trying to figure out uh, what's next for them and where to go and potentially going back to Southwest Asia at some point. Um, but uh, that's that's the hope and the goal. I know that for them, for sure. Um, but uh, Joel, in the meantime, has, has been really blessed to um, – He's, he, you've been asked to really basically kind of fill in as a, as a pastor at, uh, at your local church there in Rockwall where, where you're living now, right? Yeah. Not fill in so much, but jump in and help out once in a while. Yeah. And, um, so Joel did a, a series just recently. Um, and, uh, I watched it on, on YouTube TV, which is really, really cool to do. Um, I could sit in my living room and, and watch watch from Colorado while he's there uh, preaching away in, in Texas. And uh, it's been really cool. And um, I sent it to to, uh, to David and we both were just like, man, this is this is a really, really, um, really good message. And we felt like we just kind of needed to talk on it more and and spread the message to our listeners um, because it, it kind of fits with just everything that we're doing in, in the podcast and um, yeah, man. So Joel, for, for those that haven't listened to the first episode, um, if you could just like quickly kind of give a little bit of background about who you are and, um, why you're my brother-in-law. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I grew up in Australia. Um, my parents, I'm a super confused and confusing person. Um, my, I grew up in Australia, but my parents are actually Canadian. And uh, so when I was 18 years old, I moved back to Canada uh, to where my parents were from. And I went to a Bible college there, ended up when I was done Bible college, uh, pastoring a church for a little while, um, decided I wanted to do some more theological education. So I moved down to Dallas and um, uh, I did a master of theology down here. And while I was here, I met uh, Stu's sister, Nicole, and uh, that was a, a very good experience. Um, and so we decided to get married and uh, we were married um, oh, just over uh, seven years ago now. And uh, we were trained as missionaries. We moved to Southeast Asia. Um, we've got two little girls, um, one's five, one's three. Another interesting piece of information for me that kind of helps people know me a little bit better is um, I grew up on a farm in Australia and when I was three, I was run over by a tractor. So I'm actually a partial paraplegic. That means I can feel my legs, but I can't move them. So I get around on crutches most of the time. You, you beat people with crutches a lot. Too, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when I don't get enough ice cream or something like that. <laughs> that's right. Hey, so serious question, Joel. Um, mm -hmm. Before you committed to marrying Nicole, yeah, had you met had you met Stu? Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, no, actually, I had, yeah, yeah. really, and, and, and so that's that the did, main reason why that he didn't. To... Uh, and any, oh. it's my question, Stuart. It's my oh. question. Uh, and so that in no way, like, dissuaded you from making that commitment. Yeah, I don't know. I think we might have had this conversation in the first time that we would have jumped in your podcast. I'm not sure if as a non-American, I'm allowed to plead the fifth. But if I am, I think I'd like to, to do that here. It's a good call. It's a good call. <laughs> no, I think it's probably a good call because we don't want to start it off on a negative note and you having to highlight all the other things you had to work through. So no, I think that's good. I think that's a smart move. <laughs> 
Hey, um, and I, you know, I did, uh, you know, listen to, to both your work and your rest, um, uh, versions of your, not versions, but your iterations of your sermon thought it was awesome. And, and you know what, what, for me, why I was excited to have you back on, not only was the message awesome, but I, but I think it also adds context to, uh, I think it's sometimes important for us to, to back up and, and, and add additional context and different perspective of why we're here and what we do, what we do. You know, if, if I think it becomes, if we're not very proactive and, and especially as, as entrepreneurs and businessmen and women, if we're not proactive in reassessing our whys and kind of looking at these things that, you know, purpose and these big, these big words, these big concepts, I, I think sometimes you get sucked into a trap of, of just trying to make money and, and you very quickly will it, why that to me is, is so dangerous is, is you lose that sense of purpose. You lose the reason behind at some point, if you, no matter how much you love making money at some point, you're going to hit a, you're going to hit that spot where you realize, man, there's, there's gotta be more to life. And ideally you're hitting that sooner than later, or before you even jump into your business, you're thinking through these big questions. And so I, I really enjoyed your message really resonated because we love to work, right? Stu and I love to work and and it really helped me to kind of be like, okay, what am I working for? You know, is work bad? It's not bad. We were created to work, but it just added some richness to the, to the dialogue and, and uh, thought it was pretty awesome. So really excited to jump into this. Yeah. Cool, man. So um, your, your sermon, you start with uh, yeah, referencing, you have, you have a toaster uh, or how do you say it? A toaster? Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends, but both those work, but I would say toaster, but just to do some in translation, that would be like a toaster. <laughs> and a toaster is, uh, is made to toast. And, uh, and us humans, uh, God made us to do something. And, um, you know, you talk about that uh, kind of right at the beginning. So if you could just go through that with us and, and you know, in, in Genesis, right? Like what, what does totally. God make us, make, make us for? Well, I think this, you know, this is something um, for a long time, even as a Christian, a guy who grew up in a, going to church and who studied the Bible a lot, you know, um, the purpose of life is something that we joke about. And when we joke about it, we kind of assume that it, there's, there's no way of knowing what we're here for. And, uh, you know, there's, there's jokes about it. And I just bought into that fully. Um, and when you buy into that coming, just circling back to what you said, David, too, about, um, our purpose and why we work. I think it's so important to think about these things, talk about them and do it regularly because what we're prone to do is to, uh, we end up basing our lives around the most recent or the most powerful story that we've heard. And there is a lot of really powerful stories that are told that attempt to uh, tell us what we're here for and why we should be working. And so this isn't like a one and done deal. I don't think this isn't like a listen to a good sermon or read a good book on this stuff and you're, and you're straight and you're good to go because um, the, the purpose that we have is something that we are constantly distracted from. And so that's why we need community. That's why we need uh, podcasts like this. That's why we need friends to work with and people to remind us of the direction that we're going. Um, yeah. So coming back to what you're saying there, Stu, like um, the way I did start that sermon is, is we are like toasters in one way. I think we're a lot more complex um, and we're created to do something a lot more beautiful than a toaster. But in the sense that 
Uh, a toaster has a clear purpose, um, something that it was clearly made for. Um, so humans are too. We were made for a specific purpose. We were made for something. And I think we need to be reminded of that. And so um, I, I can just jump in and sort of go where I was going there. Um, in, in Genesis chapter one, I can read it for you. Uh, let me go there real quick. In Genesis chapter one, I think that one of the purposes is uh, of the foot of Genesis is, is to help us understand why God created us. And there's this really cool thing in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, 27, 28. God tells, makes a plan on why he's going to make humans. And then in verse 27, he makes humans. And then 28, he tells them why he made them. And in every one of those cases, the idea is God wants people to rule. He created them after his image, just like he is um, to rule. Now, one of the things that's scary as an American or as someone who comes from a culture that's deeply affected by America, which is all the people in the West, the idea of ruling is a scary idea. It kind of makes you sound like you're some sort of overlord or some uh, totalitarian despot, you know. So we got kind of get a little bit uh, self-conscious when the idea of God creating us to rule gets talked about. Um, and I think what's important to realize is in the context of, of, of Genesis chapter one, God is the one who's ruling. And when he rules, he brings beauty. He brings color. He brings uh, flourishing. He brings all of these beautiful things. So when God rules, he does this. He rules for the benefit of his creation. And he created people for that same reason, to rule for the benefit of of the creation to make things better, to make them more colorful, to make them uh, flourish even better. And so uh, that's, why I think, why um, the idea that we see in Genesis 1, when God creates man and woman, he creates them in a garden to look after it. And I think the picture that we have is that God created everything just to explode like the most fruitful garden you can imagine. There's just so much stuff growing everywhere that he creates people just to kind of help out keep it in order you know uh we want we don't make things grow but when they grow and they explode and they flourish we help organize them and so i think that in genesis chapter one the idea is that we are joining god in the thing that he's doing which is to bring life and to bring it abundantly the purpose that you have as a human is to join god in what he's already doing which is bringing beauty life life abundantly and so that's the, that's the kind of 30,000 foot view that you should be able to have your business principles and, and your business practices. And it's not wrong to make money. It's not wrong to bring wealth. It's not wrong to do any of those things. All those things are amazing. Those things are the things that you are made for. But if you're doing that to make yourself happy, if you're doing that um, to just become rich as an end unto itself, eventually it's going to feel like you're slamming your hand in the door uh, because it's not what you were made for. You were made for something bigger than that. You were you were made to make things beautiful just because um, things are beautiful, not just to make your life comfortable. When you say slamming your hand in the door, is that like the American version of slamming your head against the wall? <laughs> I, I have a funny feeling that that is very similar. Very good. Yes. Okay, I just, just want to make sure I clarify. <laughs> hey, you know, and I don't know why the, this thought keeps coming in my head, um, but I'm, I'm curious... Uh, so when you're talking about these 
concepts outside of the church. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but like, how do you communicate the meaning and the depth and the richness of everything you just said? Like, how do you communicate that outside the church to a, a secular world with and, and appeal to people to, to kind of uh, give them hope? And, and I, I mean, I feel it's kind of a loaded question because I do feel like that the ultimate hope, you know, my faith is that that comes in Jesus Christ and, 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 and that's, you know, that's, that's the, the starting point, but, but I'm just curious, like, how do you translate this to, to um, the secular world, the business owners that maybe don't have the same faith, the same uh, faith foundation? Yeah, dude, that's, that's, I mean, that's a fantastic question. I think that if I can just say that that is the right question, you know, uh, in fact, I would say that in lots of ways, uh, um, that is really what we're here for in many ways is, is um, the reason Jesus came. The reason he sent out his followers to do what we're doing is to challenge people on that. And the reason that he gives us connecting points like business, like hobbies, like families, like neighborhoods is so that we can try to help people reevaluate um, what they're here for and to challenge those stories so what I said before is we're, we're likely to think of them. We're likely to believe the most recent and the most powerful stories that we've heard. And um, I think that's what our purpose is beyond that now is to challenge those stories. And so the, we, we do that in a bunch of different ways. We do that by the stories that we tell, but we tell stories not with just our mouths, but we, we tell them with the way that we live. And so an example of that would be what you guys are doing in in trying to in trying to run a business that that is 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 um got different um principles at its base uh, than what some people have it can be in the way that you tell the story it could be challenging the presuppositions that people have made in their stories for example one of the reasons one of not to bore you with a whole bunch of philosophy but one of the reasons that people have ended up at the idea that we exist for nothing more than making ourselves happy is because the philosophical basis of that is that we aren't created and we aren't here for a purpose and that we're just an accident. And so to find a meaningful way of kind of maybe putting a rock in someone's shoe as they walk away and have to think about that more like, man, that guy seemed to believe that we're here for a purpose or that guy seemed to believe that that maybe there's a God or, or something like that. Those are the small little steps that we take and hopefully we get to point where we can tell them the whole big story. That's what being a missionary is about. That's kind of what we are trying to do. But missions, you don't have to go overseas to be a missionary in that way. Hopefully we're getting to a point where we can tell people the actual story of reality rather than this um, competing uh, powerful story uh, that they've heard more recently, uh, that there isn't a creator and that the greatest thing that you can live for is just being happy. When you talk about, um, you know, the work that God is doing, the work that he created us for, um, to, you know, to, and he invited us to work with him was, was just like you said, like to make things beautiful, to, to make things better, to, to bring life, to, to contribute, to create. And you use this reference that I loved about, and it fits really well with our real estate businesses. You say that, that God is the contractor and we're subcontractors. And, and God invited us, you know, he, he basically subbed us out and invited us to go into work with him and, and do his work. But 
but we mess something up along the way. Yeah. A massive, massive part there. Yeah. yeah. So go on. Sorry, Stu, keep going. Well, and, and I just love the like, you know, the, the, the analogy continues of he, he, uh, you know, he invited these subcontractors in to go do the work. And then we went and just demolished it all instead of continuing to, to build it out. Um, right. So, so like what happened there? That's good. Yeah. So basically what we're doing there is we're trying to put the language that we find in the story of Genesis one, two, and three into a kind of another picture. You've heard the story, you know, God created everything and then he created people. And then he said to them, Hey, you can eat from any tree of the garden, but don't eat from this one. Otherwise it'll bring death. And, uh, and then the people, uh, Adam and Eve ate from that tree. And that's kind of the beginning of this huge brokenness that exists in, in, in the world today. And to put it another way, what was taking place is that God was, uh, God was creating life or he created life and he was bringing flourishing in the world. And I think I'm reading between the lines here, by the way, I don't think you see this clearly, but go back into Genesis one and two at some point, if you're a listener and, and check it out. But I think what we see, the big idea is God was loving what he was doing and I think he wanted to share it. And I, I think that's the, the reason. Because if God's ruling so well, then why does he create people to rule? And the only reason I can think of is because he loved it so much. He wanted to enjoy it. Uh, he wanted I want some other ones, uh, other people to enjoy it with him. So he's created the galaxies. He's created the animals. He's created all these beautiful, um, uh, you know, plants and vegetables and everything. And I think he's going, hey, let's, let's involve some people in this. But then, so he creates people to join him in the work of bringing life and bringing it abundantly, but instead they disobey him and bring death. And uh, death, you can think of death as, it's not just the act of dying. It's not just the act of, um, you know, falling over at the end of your life dead. Uh, there's all of these symptoms of death as well. So there's, there's, there's this, this distance we feel from God, a distance we feel from one another, sometimes fighting, divorce, um, racism, war, all of these things are part of that death as well. And then there's this distance that we feel from nature that wasn't supposed to be there as there as well. Things like, um, you know, natural disasters of all kinds. Um, there's, uh, you know, drought, there's flood, there's, there's tsunamis. All of these things are all part of what the Bible is talking about when it talks about death. And so God said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Otherwise there will be death. You will die. And so humans, instead of listening to God, were like, oh, wait, maybe we could be as powerful as God if we would just eat from this, this fruit, right? And the idea is God created us. What's taking place there is this idea that God really created us to be his subcontractors. He was bringing life. He was bringing it abundantly. And he's, he's built, he's in the middle of building this beautiful thing. And he, he invites people to, to join him in the subcontracting process. And instead we just like took like sledgehammers and started swinging it at, 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 at the frame and, and breaking the windows and ruining the, the roof and the ceiling um, because that's what happened. And that's what we still do at the very core of who we are. The very natural bias of every human is not to build, but to tear down. And that's why by the time you're 40 or 50, you don't have very many friends anymore. That's why by the time you're 40 or 50, you're struggling with your relationship or you have at some point with your wife or your girlfriend or these 
significant you know relationships it's why it's not natural to be friendly with your parents and why there's so much tension all the time between us is because right in our dna from the beginning we chose to reject the life that god wanted us to do and and right at the beginning we started uh, instead uh, choosing to break down all these beautiful things and it's why all these terrible other disasters and uh, just kind of get out of control in the world as well. All of these things that are the death that the Bible talks about. So we've become the wreckers instead of the builders. But yeah, he keeps, but he keeps on inviting us back. Well, that is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, he doesn't. God didn't just throw the whole human experiment in the trash can. <laughs> yeah. That's the amazing thing. That's what I would have done, dude. When right. my pen, when my pen stops working, I don't go. You know what? I bet you if I put some time into this, I could get it working again. I'm like, you know what else? <laughs> I'm going to throw in the trash. I'm going to buy a new one. And, um, but God does this amazing thing after man brings curse and death in the world. He pursues humanity and says, I know I'm going to bring you blessing. He does that through a guy named Abram in the old Testament. God says, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. Um, he does that again and later on, it does it time and time again, but there's this whole story that unfolds where, where man keeps turning their back on God, but God says, I'm going to invite you in Abram and a nation that comes out of you called Israel. And then a King that comes out of Israel named David. And God makes all these promises that there's someone's coming. Who's going to fix this big problem that's existed from the beginning. God keeps going, Hey, I know you keep buggering everything up. I know you keep ruining everything, but why don't you come back and join me and join the work um that i was that i created you for yeah and i like how you um you also when you talk through these things you're using the analogy of the of the toaster i don't know what it was but i loved how just the obvious the plugging back in mm. concept um i love that why don't you talk a little bit about that because i think that's very much related to this whole you know not only does god is he um continuously invites us back in but we have an action verb in there too that's right? right dude and i think that's really important so important because if you just hear what i've talked about so far you can fall into thinking that well the only problem is is that i'm not joining god in the work that he's doing the only problem is so it could be and this is a mistaken conclusion but you could come to this conclusion that the that um all that's left for me to do now is to join god in the work that he's he's created me for but the thing that that is missing in that whole thing is that if you are a subcontractor and you just showed up one day and started swinging the sledgehammer um then if you just decide to change your mind the next week and show up on the job site again with your hammer this time there's this really awkward relationship between you and the contractor right and so that has to be dealt with the relationship, the strained relationship, the broken relationship between us and the contractor, subcontractors and contractors has to be um, dealt with. And um, that takes a lot more than just jumping back into the work. And so the action or the verb that you talked about, David, there would be, would be faith and belief. Um, and, the, and there's some more of the story that has to kind of be brought into, into perspective for us to realize that. But basically, because we brought death, there was a certain um, payment that had to be made to make this relationship between the contractors and the contractors, subcontractors right again. And God himself took on the form of Jesus to make that right again. And uh, that's what the story of Jesus is about. Um, we often think of, um, well, 
this is an important part of it. Jesus comes and dies for our sin, the sin of bringing death, the sin of bringing brokenness, the fact that we continue uh, doing all of these evil things and messing up his creation. He comes and instead of making us pay for that, he takes the payment of that and pays for it for us. And so that gives us, and the crazy thing about it is that's usually where we finish the story. But the reason he does all that is so that we can join him in the work again. And that's a very important part of the story is that we have to be forgiven. We have to have the relationship between the contractors and the subcontractors made right. But often what we think of is the reason that Jesus did that is so that we could be happy. And happiness isn't a good or a bad thing. It's just not what we were created for. We were just created for something bigger than that. And it was to actually join God in the work. So the whole reason that Jesus does that is so we can join him again, so we can have our sins forgiven, so the relationship between the contractors and subcontractors can be made right. And what you see in the story, as, a, as soon as Jesus is risen from the dead and he's got his disciples um, gathered around him, what he says is, okay, now go tell everyone. And um, go, go let the whole world know who I am. Let them know what I've done for you. And so that begins this work again for us to go out, yes, to continue to make things beautiful, but there's a more specific way that we can do that now, and that's by letting people know about Jesus. So that kind of brings it back circle, full circle for your question too. There's a sense in which that's what we're trying to do when we um, when we're involved in business, there's a sense in there's there's a there's an intrinsic value to the business itself. Uh, there's an intrinsic value to making homes for people to stay, and there's an intrinsic value in bringing wealth. But also, it becomes a means to the end of letting people know about the one who cares for them, who created things beautiful and good. Yeah, you. And one thing that you said that that I and I kind of forgot about it during the sermon, but you said it again. It just kind of sparked a, a memory of something I heard recently as well. But it's it's not the intent is not to make us happy. Like happy is not good or bad. I mean, obviously everybody wants to be happy. But you know, I was listening to a sermon recently by Rick Warren where he talked about the biggest lessons that he ever learned all came out of pain, and the things that made him the most effective tool for God were the most painful things. And one of the things that he he talks about is. Um, you know, he says that they're, that they're, uh, some of their biggest groups in the church, like the, uh, the adoption, uh, they had a small group adoption group that, that enabled people to, 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 uh, adopt children that was founded by, by a couple who, whose answers were unprayed as far as having children. So they, they brought this new thing to life and, and he has impacted hundreds, potentially thousands of people through a ministry of, of talking about um, losing somebody to depression and suicide and, and these things that, that he experienced, which is probably one of the worst experiences that he's ever had, if not the worst. And so this idea that when you plug back in, it's not about the happiness, it's about effectiveness and creating things of beauty. I think there's, it's such a, an amazing point that you make that oftentimes that influence that those lessons learned uh, come from not happiness. They actually come from pain. Yeah, I think that's the amazing part of the story. Um, 
is that God uses that stuff. Now, we could ask the question, like, doesn't God want us to be happy? Doesn't he care about us? Doesn't It sounds doesn't sound very loving that he puts hard things in our lives um, to make us learn things. And I think that's right. I think, I think we have to zoom out and realize the reason God allowed, like God does want us to be happy. Initially, that was the whole reason he created us, but we rejected him. And not just Adam and Eve, but every person since has kind of followed that, that pattern of, of rejecting God. And yet God has continued to pursue us um, and he became one of us. Um, to die in our place and he's coming back to completely um, save us from all of this so the question is well doesn't God care about our happiness on one level not just today because we're the ones who rejected the happiness that he had for us but what's amazing in in the meantime until things are fixed until this brokenness is done away with and the new and the perfect and the undying and the and, and the eternal is replaces it. The amazing thing is that God chooses to take these things that should crush us and he can make something beautiful out of them. So I think of my disability. Um, this is something that is not cool. It's not good. I can't walk. There's been lots of hard things that have come out of that. Um, and in my, in my relationship with my wife and the relationship with my kids, in, in the things that I wish that the dreams you could say that I've, I've not been able to fulfill because of some of these things. And yet the cool thing is, is yes, in the midst of it, God's used those things to help me understand beauty. That's the amazing thing about God. He's that powerful that he can use these things to help us to help beauty come out of the most broken things. That's the amazing thing. Until brokenness is done away with, God uses the broken to make the things beautiful. And that's that's amazing. You know what also is amazing is when you watch Joel on his crutches huck himself off like a flight of stairs. <laughs> like watch Joel go down a flight of stairs, even like steep stairs, dude. Like he just like hucks himself, just pushes, flies in the air, lands. And then keeps on going. It's pretty rad. Gravity's on my side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so so there's this so there's this uh, these concepts of of uh, you know once we've once we plug back in right once we've once we've you know found this faith and um, and there's then there's the work right and James says faith without works is dead so we got to go do the work right and there's there's two types of work that you talk about there's this, uh, this out there work. And then there's an in here work. Um, and, and I want to talk about both here. Uh, but let's start with the the uh, the out there work. And what what, what does that look like? What is the out there look work look like? Yeah, it's really good. Uh, so there's out the out there work that I'm thinking of is so there's this pre fall out there work that we still get when I say fall, like the sin that came into the world. So there's this pre sin out there work that we still get to join in, you know, and you can think of that as, as, as farming, gardening, making things beautiful, organizing. I think the human project is, um, 
is how if you want to look up a really good explanation of this, this would be uh, the Bible project talks about this idea and they call it the human project that is making things beautiful that is making cities that are beautiful and education and law and all of these things that are beautiful. Um, that's the human project to make the world better. Um, but then sin comes into the world and we've got this gnarly, nasty thing that takes place after that. But Jesus thankfully steps into it. And then Jesus says, so post Jesus, this also involves just letting people know that there is forgiveness, uh, letting people know that there is hope, um, letting people know that there is something more to live for than the brokenness that they've all experienced. And so that then connects to the in here work. So there's an out there work, which is to join God and what he's doing out there. But then there's this in here work that God is doing in the midst of us. And it's this idea of if you have never put your faith in Jesus or if you've never plugged in, like David said, the idea of us plugging the toaster in and, and becoming reconnected to our source and having faith in him and resting in him. If you've never done that, that's the starting point with the in here work that you would do. But then there's this whole process. Like once I put my faith in Jesus, I don't just stop um, being an angry person. I don't just stop. Um, struggling with maybe the addictive behaviors that I've struggled with in the past, or um, I don't just um, move from uh, away from worry and anxiety and, and, and blaming other people or being self-righteous. These are all still things. I'm, those are all real life examples that I'm giving you from my own life. And I am thankfully, I'm a different person than I was 10 years ago. I'm a different person than what I was five years ago, but I'm still angry. I still yell at my kids sometimes and I still wish that I hadn't done that. And I still, um, I still blame my wife for things that are my problems. And that's the, that's the, that's the in here work that, <clears throat> that God is doing in his way as well. In the same way that there's hope that, that I can leave the world in a better place because of the work that God's doing that I get to join him in. I can also see myself turning into someone different in here because of the work that God has started doing here that I get to join him in. Yeah. You know, I, and I love that in here work because I, I also kind of related to my question previously. I think the in here work, you don't have to be a Christian to do in here work, right? They're very practical. I mean, Ideally, it starts mm -hmm. with accepting Christ and these mm -hmm. are things that, that I firmly believe in. But, but if you're not necessarily there yeah. um, in your faith or, or that's not something, you know, that, that uh, you know, maybe you're still a Christian waiting. Um, I think the idea of self-reflection and, uh, you know, the mindset of abundance and growth and, and looking internally to become a better version of yourself I think those are all still very applicable. And, and I would love what you talked about. Uh, I think the thing that really stuck with me is when you talked about friends and, and how we, um, we effectively, as we get older, we become terrible friends. We become worse friends. And, 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 you know, I give like Stu a hard time. And I was just giving my buddy Mikey a hard time this weekend that like these dudes never call me, right? Like I'm the guy that reaches out and calls and tries to make connections and, and, but you still cut things off, right? And it's not intentional, Mm -hmm. And, and it's not, um, it's, it, I don't think we want to be bad friends. That's not a goal. Like, Hey, I turned 40, you know, mid, midlife crisis. And I really want to be a bad friend to you. Uh, you know, talk, kind of talk about that. Cause I thought that was, I thought that was pretty fascinating. 
Yeah, the way I mean, okay, so first of all, I'm still trying to find, you know, true north on some of this stuff as well. I'm 44. Um, and what I'm noticing, not just amongst um, my close friends, but as I'm, you know, getting up here now and able to have a bit of a different view, what you realize is it's an exceptional thing when you find someone who has, who um, at 40, 50, 60, 70, has a solid group of friends, you know, or even in some cases has any friends at all, right? And um, so the way I have processed it is I just see when I was single, man, when I was in college, oh, man, so many friends, right? Uh, even I was married pretty late. I didn't get married till I was 36. Um, and so, and and at that point, even still, like tons of friends, wasn't hard to make friends, um, I got married and all of a sudden there's this dynamic change, right? Because actually for the first time in my life, I can stay home and I don't feel lonely. Okay. That's what it was for me. I really enjoyed just being with my wife. I, I didn't need to get out anymore because I wasn't longing to, I, I wasn't, you know, and then we had kids and not only was I not longing to get out, I couldn't, <laughs> I didn't have time. You know what I mean? Like we were just like struggling. I remember uh, and then we went to Vietnam, right? And like we're like a, a part of the whole purpose is uh, of us moving overseas is to is to connect with people. And we're just like, oh my goodness, it's Friday night. It's seven thirty. Perfect time to go and hang out with someone. And I'll tell you what I want to do: go to bed, dude. You know, I'm done. Yep. And then so you have that, and then you have basically, and this is partly got to do with uh, American culture and the way we set up our family structure, right? We're all quite far from our parents. And, you know, I notice in Asia, what they do is they'll put their kids in and, you know, mom and dad will look after the kids so the couple can go do some other things here, which all up to us. And so we, we kind of ended up being all like segregated and it's up to me and my wife to look after our kids. And so we're busy and we're tired. Pretty soon you wake up, I reckon, this is my theory, you wake up at 45 and you haven't got any friends. You wake up at 50 and you haven't got any friends because you just haven't had time for it. And you haven't dealt with the fact that it's not always going to be like it was when you were in college. You don't just walk out and have a whole bunch of, a whole ocean or a whole lake of people to hang out with who are in a similar situation in life. And so that's the context, or at least that's the way I'm processing it. And <clears throat> so I think that friendship is deeply spiritual, deeply helpful, deeply important. And not only that, is it is it's just one of those many things that actually the reason no one, David, I agree, no one decides I'm just going to stop being a crappy friend. I just think that what, what it is is deep down, there is something in me that gets exposed through friendship to other people. And by the way, I've experienced that most of all with my wife, that there's this deep, uncomfortable situation of being known that my wife knows this deep, ugly part of who I am that keeps showing up. And that makes me uncomfortable. So the way that there's two options for you to move forward is you either confess it and try to find your identity in something other than being perfect, which I think can only truly happen in Jesus as we accept his forgiveness. Or the other thing is you close that part of yourself off and that will ultimately lead to distance in relationships. And so um, I'm experiencing this uh, also with my kids because I fail my children. As I said to you before, I'll get angry at them. And so what I can do when I fail my kids is I have two options. I can just pretend like this is all normal 
and we're just going to move forward and we're going to ignore the fact that I just lost it and was a completely terrible example. We can just ignore that or I can confess it. And if I ignore it, there's just going to be relational distance that takes place. And I think that that's what takes place in friendships as well, is that you have this brokenness that gets exposed and then how you two as friends deal with it is going to be formative for whether that friendship continues or not. And so I think the in here work is based on uh, these friendships being able to continue and deepen has to be like, Hey dude, you failed me. Um, but you know what? I still love you because I failed you too. And first um, uh, John one nine says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. And there's been nothing more amazing in my marriage than for my wife to say that to me. Hey, I, I say to her, hey, I blew it. I did this thing wrong and I'm sorry I hurt you. And she can say that to me and then me for be able to say that to her. Then all of a sudden we've got this friendship that can take place in spite of our brokenness. And I think that's the model. I've also got friends that I've been able to do that with as well. And I think that's the model of the in here work that is friendship that you're talking about. Do you think someone like Stu is extremely blessed because he never had friends? Or do you think that's, do you think that's a blessing or do you think that's, do you think that's a, like yeah. A oh, that's a, that's a really good question. I'm going to have to play the fifth on that one again. Hey, David. Oh, oh my hey, David. Questions. You, you messed up, <laughs> but, but I'm going to forgive you and, and allow you to continue to be my friend. Thank you, Stuart. That's very gracious of you. <laughs> so how do, so Joel, besides, besides, um, you know, confessing um, this, this in here work, you know, what does that look like, you know, with, with a marriage, with, with being a dad and um, with, you know, trying to, to be a good friend, um, you know, how, how do we internally work on that uh, to then externally show that uh, to, to uh, build relationships and community? Man, I mean, first of all, let's just say that is the question, right? And and there's so many, so many ways to go from, some different ways that we could go down that road. Um, just like the question that David said before, um, I think that there are some of these questions that we need to continue coming back to, like how do I share this with someone who doesn't have my faith beliefs? And 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 again, in this way, like what is the? Or oh, can you repeat the question so I can say it again, and so you can think about the answer too. Yeah, I mean, so so what do we do? What do we do internally? How do we work on ourselves yeah. um, to then be able to um, portray and, and outwardly work on our relationships in our community? I mean, yeah, I think for me, again, the starting place has to be, and and I'm speaking here as a Christian, but I think that as a Christian, this is the starting place. And the starting place has to be, look, first of all, my propensity is not to do good things my propensity is to do bad things and so the starting point has to be a certain amount of uh, willingness to admit that I am not able and and so any ability that I have to change must be coming from someone else and must be leaning must be as a result of me leaning on that if you don't start there you end up self-righteousness right you can change but you mistakenly believe that you were the one who did it um, and so I think the starting point has to be me realizing that any good thing that changes in me 
um, has to be the work of someone someone else, namely the Lord, namely God, namely the Holy Spirit in my life. Now, that doesn't mean that if you haven't believed in God, um, that you can't experience that change. I think uh, the Bible is very clear on the fact that God doesn't require you to do X, Y, and Z for him to bring good things into your life. Uh, he does. He's just this incredibly gracious and generous and kind God. And he, he brings good things into lots of people's lives who have never trusted him and never will. So there is change that takes place in people's lives, even when they don't do that. And so if, if you're not, uh, if you're not someone who wants to put your faith in God, that doesn't mean that you're stunted forever. Unfortunately, what it does mean is the good things that God brings into your life, you're probably going to be going to take credit for, which is going to lead you into a cycle of some really bad thinking and some self-righteousness and not, and not, not, not thankfulness. So I would say as a starting point, that's where it is. Um, for me, um, practically, you know, if you want some practical things, and I think, uh, Stu, some of this is actually your influence on my life as well. And just some of the conversations that we've had on how we work that out. I think some of the really important things are um, times of self-reflection. I know that you've pointed me in the direction of, uh, of some books that have talked about just making sure that we're able to have some deep thinking time throughout the week and, from, or, or, you know, every day where we're not distracted. So one of the biggest technology, I'm a huge fan of technology, obviously, we're having this conversation of computers. So I'm a great fan of technology, but one of the, one of the um, with every benefit of technology is an equal um, problem that comes with it, right? For every car that was, that's ever been able to be driven, that's taken us one place quickly, we've had to deal with the traffic jam, right? So for every good thing that comes from, uh, technology there's also something dark that's brought and one of the dark sides to to um, technology has is just incredible distraction and so for me setting aside time a day where I will not be with my phone and I'm going to think about who I am and what I want to do and um, and I try to do that one day a week and I try to do that at least a couple of hours a day where I'm just focused on who am I what am I doing and for me as a Christian a great starting point there is reading the Bible and spending some time in prayer and asking God, hey, where is the work that you have going around me today? What's the work that you're doing with my relationship with my wife and I? What's what's the work that you would have me join you in the, in, the, in my relationship with my girls, in, in the relationship with my neighborhood, with my church, with the business, um, if you're a businessman? Um, if, if for me, it's our ministry that we're involved in in, in, in Asia, all those sorts of things. Yeah, no, I, I love it, man. You, uh, you know, we go from kind of the big picture of what we were created to do, uh, and and it and it it eventually gets down to the individual level of being this individual that needs to plug back into um, to God, and and there's also this individual level of effort and practical things that we can do that really can refine, uh, you know, refine that relationship, refine who we are, refine our our introspection and focus and and then it comes back full circle to the you know ultimately the the better the better we are the better prepared the more healthy um uh and 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 for each of us the stronger our relationship is and our faith is and jesus plugs back in and and just that it continues to propagate right continues to propagate and, and and enables you to get further and further down that road of your purpose and ultimately 
achieve the things that God created us to do. And I, and I love that. I love that cycle. I love that picture, man. I'm so tempted. And I know it's in the, it's in your second service or in your second uh, sermon about rest, which we definitely need to have you back to discuss because I think it is so important, but I loved, loved the story that you told about um, you and your boys on the, on the hiking trip. Uh, and, and I, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to figure out a way to, to frame that question from the, from their perspective as a work instead yes. of yours as a rest. Um, yes. but maybe I'll just save that one. Yeah, don't spoil you, it. Yeah, I don't want to spoil <laughs> that. That's a meaning, meaningful story. And it's a little bit of a cliffhanger because mm. uh, I, because I loved just the image of that work and the rest and the dichotomy in your experience, but just how meaningful, uh, how meaningful that is. So uh, we'll, we'll save that for next time. An amazing story. I uh, just kind of give that as a prompt to, for us not to one, not to forget we won't, but, but two to, to, you know, hopefully uh, people enjoy this. And, 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 and I'll tell you, if you're open-minded and you, you receive the message and you kind of understand that, that this, our purpose, everybody's looking for their purpose. And I don't care if you, if you put it in the terms of Christianity, faith, or whatever it is, however you frame it, we all are looking for that deeper meaning. We're looking for that impact, that influence, and to, to, to achieve the purpose that, that we truly were created for. And hopefully this message will help at least uh, open some perspective and, and potentially put someone on a path that, that they can really achieve that, uh, that level of, of uh, faith, ultimately. And uh, I love it, man. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, it was a great message. I loved listening to it. Uh, Stu, I imagine we could just put a link to the actual sermon in the, in the yeah. notes. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can do uh, what we'll, we'll, it's uh, there's a YouTube link uh, for, for the, uh, for the full sermon. Um, it's a full church service. So, you know, if, if you're, you can listen to the worship sessions about 30 minutes long and then get to get to Joel, uh, his section, like what, 30, 35, 40 minutes into, uh, into the, the, the YouTube uh, video. So um, yeah, man, it was awesome. And uh, we're going to do uh, round two to talk about the second half of, of what God made us uh you know, to do. Um, but, uh, this is great, man. This is, this helps me just continue to, uh, reinvigorate, you know, our purpose, um, you know, the, the mission that we're on and, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's good, man. It always just makes you think and, um, it's good stuff. I appreciate you and, and love you and, and, uh, glad to have you on. Yeah. Thank you guys too. Appreciate that. It helps me, uh, helps me too. Super thankful for what you guys are doing. Just glad that there's a there's a there's an intersection between uh, these big thoughts and then the, the the practical stuff that you're helping people with as well. Really appreciate you guys. Yeah. So guys, and gals, yeah. if uh, if if you are looking for like a a better friend, um, give me a shout. I do go to bed like pretty early. So like that, that friendship oh, wait, cuts off sure about we, 8, 830. Sure. Yeah. So the bedtime, but there's also, <laughs> if you're looking for a new best friend who won't call you, most likely won't text you, um, has very strange hours and will not want to hang out with you, then yeah, Stu's your guy. Like Stu's your guy. Ideal friend. <laughs> Drinks, drinks coffee at four in the morning. That's the kind of, yeah, that's the kind of guy you're looking yeah, really, for. Hey man, really, if anybody really wants to hang out at 4 a.m., drink coffee and, you know. <laughs> hey, and if you want to get into like a tootin' contest, like he's your guy. Like <laughs> who can smell, who can smell worse today? Oh, Stu's your guy. <laughs> uh, 
Hey, but on a serious note, uh, next time we see you, Stu, you'll probably be slinged up. So I would yeah. say for people to pray for your surgery tomorrow, but by the time this comes out, it'll be in the past. So in the past. Pray yeah. for, uh, you know, smooth recovery. It's two surgeries. One, it's to fix your shoulder, but it's also an exploratory surgery to try to find a bicep with which <laughs> to fix your shoulder. So, uh, so I think, you know, a lot of prayer is warranted necessary and uh desired no. appreciate that appreciate Absolutely. that well check out uh, the full sermon that joel gave and uh and then um be looking for uh round two uh, of of this with uh with joel on filling the storehouse um hey if this meant something to you if, if this was uh if this you know if you liked it hey share it you know screenshot this send it to somebody um and uh, hopefully it can make a difference in somebody else's life um Five-star reviews, we always appreciate. That actually helps us, you know, get the word out a little bit more. Um, and uh, most importantly, go fill your storehouse. Make a great day, friends. Joel, thanks, dude. Joel. You're awesome. Go put him on a strip of the bobby. You're awesome, mate. Mike. Crank you. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to Filling the Storehouse. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe and share it with someone you love. And if you really felt inspired, leave a five-star review so we could continue to grow and help other Christian entrepreneurs fill their storehouse. If you're interested in creating financial freedom through real estate investing, be sure to check out our website at storehouse310turnkey.com. We'd love to serve you through our platform of building the kingdom. Just click on the contact link and we'll reply to you as soon as we can. Again, thanks so much for listening. Now go for your storehouse and make it a great day.